The following is a conversation with Alec Renahan and Bryce Lesky, who together host Australia's number one finance and investing podcast, Equity Mates. These two fellas and Equity Mates has been very influential to me because I've learned pretty much everything I know about investing through them, but as well because they're just a couple of regular guys who have absolutely knocked this podcasting game out of the park. Alec and Ren were mates at uni, decided to give this podcasting thing a try in 2017 just to discuss and document their investing journey. But now, five years later, they employ several people, operate multiple shows, have raised money, are just about the most valuable media to the Australian retail investor, are about to host and disrupt the financial event space with their very own FinFest, and ultimately, the thing for which I most romantically project onto, they have managed to turn a passion project and a hobby into a lifestyle and career. So they're a couple of legends and I was absolutely thrilled and felt so privileged to have gotten the chance to interview these guys in person. They are as nice and friendly as they sound. Now, if you're in Australia, if you're listening in Australia, it's not too late to join their FinFest, their own financial festival. The ambition of it is amazing and I've absolutely no doubt that it is going to fulfill all the expectations that they have placed upon themselves and the shoulders of their team. It's on the 15th of October and will be the absolute best thing that you can do in Sydney that weekend. Tickets are cheap. You would be absolutely crazy to not join. And if you tell them that you came because you listened to their interview on the Curious Well Do podcast, it will make me happy. (laughs) So this podcast is hopefully not as you've heard them before. There isn't anything directly about investing, but rather there is instead a bit of a reflection about the equity mates journey so far, and then as well a projection into the future. We talk about the potential of podcasting and as well sort of franchising and expanding internationally, but then as well we get an elevator pitch from each of these investing experts, a company that they are particularly interested in, and that is very much not buy, hold, sell recommendation. It is just a generalized chat and pitch about a couple of companies that is very, very interesting to them. So with no further ado, here are the equity mates. Do hang around to the end for me to explain my ambition for this podcast, especially if this is the first time you've ever listened to the show. We're over 110 episodes in now and I have about 20 to go that just need to be sort of edited and uploaded. I am so thrilled and grateful that I get this opportunity to speak directly to you. And I really, really, really hope that maybe one in 10, one in 15, one in 20 of these podcasts connect with you and you find interesting. Ultimately, hopefully just one in 20 you find interesting. So I encourage you to go into the library, see the different type of curiosities that I've had over the last few years, and then you will see the those curiosities reflected in the guests as they've come on. But with no further ado, here is the great and powerful Equity Mates. So I get the feeling that Ren is the dreamer and Bryce is the realistic one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you, what do you reckon about that? Um, yeah, I think in general terms, that's... That's probably about right. I think that's pretty unfair to Bryce. I think you've got. I think you got pretty big dreams as well. I, I think sometimes uh, you might be a little bit more grounded in reality than I am. Well, I think it's a good dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think um, Ren's a uh, let's just 
throw everything at the wall and give a, give it all a crack right now. Yeah. And I'm a, I agree with that, but let's um, do it in a bit more order. Right? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Bryce definitely, uh, he, yeah, he gives it, he gives it the necessary structure that. Um, right. If it was a yeah. business where we were both a dreamer or both a, what do you call me? Realistic. Realistic. <laughs> well, like, more fancy numbers guy. <laughs> we wouldn't have a business, I don't think. If as, if, as we, if we were now. both dreamers, it would be a real like zero or one proposition. Like it, the business would either collapse or would be like yeah. just killing it. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think it's an important dynamic. I think the main thing is that like we're mates as well. And so when I dream a little too much and just have stupid ideas, Bryce can say it and... When Bryce is a little bit too worried about the dollars and cents, <laughs> I can say it, and I think I think the dynamic works. Mm. Yeah, yeah, nice. And that's I mean that is respond. That's the the reason why there's so much chemistry between you, obviously as well. You know the fact that you are such good mates, you can sort of rope each other in, rein each other in without offense too much, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, well, it's a dynamic that could go very wrong. Yeah, like I think um, a lot of people say, don't go into business with your mates. Uh, haven't really come across why they say that yet, but yeah. I think I think also don't I'm, emphasize the yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, as businesses grow on scale, different right. pressures and stresses come, yeah. and mm. so I think that's something that is always going to need to be considered, and we're going to have to be conscious of. But I think our personalities, at least, we don't hold grudges, or we don't. We just it's we understand each other pretty well, I think, mm. and get over things pretty quickly. Or yeah, um, yeah, I think. At the end of the day as well, like, um, there's bigger fish to fry, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, well, no, what do you mean? Well, I, I don't know. Like, sometimes, you know, things that we disagree over or whatever, it's just, at the end of the day, it's just like, disagreeing over it or, or having, carrying, carrying sort of angst and grudge over it or whatever, it's mm. just not worth it. Mm. And like, mm. in the grand scheme of things, like... It, let's just move on yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like sure yeah yeah i don't know if that makes sense makes sense yeah yeah and i uh, think our, our friendship is important so yeah, yeah yeah and uh andy lee from hamish and Andy got interviewed and he um he was saying that they do this thing he and hamish every year where they check in and they're like do you still want to do this and really. if one of them says no then i guess they can suck it yeah. Bri- bryce and i are probably not quite in that position like if one of us said no would probably probably be a tough conversation with the people we've employed yeah, to work say, in his business. Like, okay, Sorry, Bryce isn't keen anymore. <laughs> we yeah, we don't want to do this anymore. But but I think to an extent we've built a platform where we can really pursue things that interest us, and like hopefully as we grow and um you know we we can really we don't just have to be podcasting about investing when we're 45 and have three kids running around mm. at home. Like hopefully we can build a platform and build a brand that as we develop and now and grow and our audience grow with us, we can do other things and explore other opportunities. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's sort of what we're doing with some of the other podcasts we've started. You know, the, the dive is much more business news focused rather than investing specifically because that's something that we're interested in and you know we wanted to do something a little bit different and test ourselves a little bit with some different content mm. um and you know in three years bryce might learn to code and build the equity mates app because that's something <laughs> that he wants to do so hopefully like the platform that we've built allows us to keep trying new things and pursuing yeah. what interests us on the uh on the topic of sort of growing equity mates media you mentioned the dive you got a lot of other uh you know 
arms yep. of the business. Uh, you mentioned in an interview, Ren mentioned in an interview, about developing a number of non-financial shows. And obviously, uh, Bryce is uh, keen on equity grapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Jeez, what, are, what, are, what, what are outside of obvious financial news um, stock shows, things that you dream of that you would love to pursue? Well, Ren's the dream, man. I, I, we've had plenty of conversations <laughs> about Ren. Yeah, equity <laughs> well, Ren, equity grapes was... Um, that was more just like, uh, let's start a wine company. <laughs> I, I think we've seen a lot of businesses. We've seen a lot of businesses get into the beer uh, yeah. space in Australia. Uh, the Batuta Advocate mm -hmm. uh, have a beer. Bloke. Inspired Unemployed have a beer. Mm. Bloke have a beer. Mm. We didn't want to do a beer. Uh, there's enough beers out there. Um, but Equity Grapes was just too good a play yeah. to, on, yeah. on words to pass up. A name name leads the business idea. It, it really, yeah. it, it, I, like a, a really nice red would really encapsulate a lot of Bryce as well. Like, <laughs> you know, okay, why, a, why is that? He, he likes the finer things in life. Nah, uh, a little on. bit, a little bit classy, um, but. You know, I think yeah. it's one of those things where we've seen. You know, Ren's mentioned the beers. You you can see. The possibilities when you build an audience and that sort of starts getting your mind ticking mm -hmm. you see what happens overseas when and i'm not saying that we're anywhere near the size of some of the successful guys overseas but when you when you build a large audience you can launch product after product that is meaningful to your audience that has that sort of in-joke vibe has a bit of sense of connection and community and you know they just go well and mm -hmm. um and so that kind of is where we get our creative juices ticking it's like what what other meaningful things can we create for our audience, mm. not only in content, but sort of product as well. So, Because the relationship you guys have with the equity mates is one of the highest converting relationships a media person could have with an audience, right? So when you use these examples of people that you look to overseas, who do you have in mind? Just so we understand what you mean. Well, I mean, when I was sp specifically talking about that, um, who's that? Is it the fat Jew? That, what's his name? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, the guy. So he got You're massive. You're going to need to explain this now because otherwise know, we're in trouble. There's something, something. <laughs> anyway. on, I'm going I'm to Google it. You just keep He, he built a massive sort of following on Instagram and then just launched like rosé wines and clothing yeah, no brands time. and all yeah. this sort of stuff. And it just sort of goes to, it just sort of shows that if you build a, a tight-knit community at mm -hmm. scale you can then just feed in mm -hmm. product after product of course they're all sort of meaningful but it's just such a way to leverage yeah um, and then we think about what's happening here in australia with plenty of sort of people in the financial services where they start with a product and then really try and battle to build community mm -hmm. um we've sort of built community am i right is it fat the fat josh Jew? ostrovsky the fat jewish yeah the that's fat him. Jewish. i'd yeah. never heard of this person before oh well, there you go i'm actually one not to know pop culture so i'm surprised oh, that Ren. yeah <laughs> yeah big following uh big enough that he's got his own wikipedia page yeah and that's yeah. meaningful for us because we've tried to create the equity mates media wikipedia page a couple of times <laughs> and got voted down and deleted Ooh, every shit. time yeah so this guy's bigger than us yeah there you go <laughs> I'll, edit, so, I'll edit this out but i mean surely that's doable I, like you can claim the you can claim the equity mates business page. And I then mean, from there turn into a page, right? No, no we, there's a stupid you, process around it. Keep it in because if anyone's listening okay. and knows how to build Wikipedia pages, yeah. we'd love their help. But like, you have to prove that you're like like noteworthy or newsworthy. So you have to provide all these third party sources. So we're providing like uh, news articles we've been in and all this stuff. We're providing our website. Yeah. 
Um, but, but then you get put up against this, um, then like people who are sort of Wikipedia administrators mm. who have some sort of unknown... They, they've done like X number of edits, edits and they get like yeah. a status. They yeah, then yeah, hold yeah. the power to say yes or no and you need like five out of... No, it like goes to a voting period and then it's like majority rules. Yeah. If more say keep or delete and then... Stupid. Yeah. Um, anyway, we... we Spion, canvas, you're, we the, you're the biggest names in Australian financial media, surely. Wow, thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> what, about, what, about that a, what about AFR? <laughs> oh, Got yeah. that, Koshy? Yeah. <laughs> Soz. <laughs> I would say, I would, I would hope that in sort of our age demographic that we're up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't... Yeah, we wouldn't be... Um, I think there's an Bryce tells absurd me. amount of uh, bias on my end. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll take it. We'll take it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, but I think the difference as well is that um, we're probably the largest, fi- well, one of the largest finance communities, I guess. Like the mm. AFR, then there's some big podcasters in our space as well that mm. equally mm. have sort of large communities and they're um, more and more coming into the space as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's been a journey. What about uh, non-financial shows you're keen on? Oh, well, yeah, I've got plenty of ideas there. Um, I, I think... For me, for years, I felt there hasn't been a good AFL podcast in Australia. There's okay. plenty of AFL-related shows, um, and like you know, Dill Buckley and what he's doing is probably best in class there. But you look at, uh, but f- but for years there just hasn't been a straight review of the games and preview of the games. Don't tell me about the narrative about around the games. Don't just just tell me what's going on in with footy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few really good NFL ones because I'm a bit of an NFL fan overseas. And I've always thought that model applied to AFL is a, just a gap in the market waiting to happen. Mm. Um, so for years, I've tried to convince Bryce and another one of our mates to do it, but get shut down at every turn. Um, and then there's just other ones. I think, um, you know, we, we look overseas at what podcasters are doing over there. And I often think what could be applied here. So... Um, there's a really great US Supreme Court podcast called More Perfect. Interesting, okay. And all it does is take these incredibly complex but incredibly consequential Supreme Court decisions and make them uh, understandable and Mm. people understand how it impacts their lives and what it means and how they happened. And I think there's something that could definitely be done in Australia in that vein as well. Mm. So heaps of ideas. I also, yeah, I I think... um, yeah, I won't go on. But right now, what we're focusing on is finance and business because we want to really build the business around that. Um, but in future, I don't know. I just love content. You just want passion projects. But it is like yeah, a, just a time cost. Yeah, I, I think I think the, the luxury of the world that we live in in 2022 is it has never been easier to monetize your interests or monetize your passions. And, um, you know, people... When we went to school, people said, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your love. Mm. Flip that around. Do what you love and find a way to monetize it because right. it has never been easier. Start, yeah, like it is, it's just great. And like I love, uh, you know, I can talk. You're listening to me. I'll keep talking until you cut me off. Um, but there's just so much to be interested in. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, I love it. But you say like it's never been easy to monetize. You have to reach that critical threshold of audience to monetize, right? I would say that that threshold is, has come down drastically by like meaningful factors in the past few years though Mm -hmm. i think think, meaningful monetization yes but if you think about like still need decent if you think about the idea of like an individual creator that that wasn't real that was enabled by the internet because we're just we just live in a long line of media businesses that has capitalized on new technology but 
throughout history, new technology still meant you needed to be big enough and at scale to capitalize on the technology. You needed a company to produce TV or you needed you know, a full studio to produce radio. And as new technology has come in, the, the size of the organization you need to capitalize on that technology is lower. And the threshold to break even and be profitable and have a sustaining business also has been lower as a result. And so, you know, like Bryce and I, we could run this business, just the two of us, maybe hire a producer and, and that's all you need. Mm. But then like the next level down is like we see like Instagram influencers and TikTok creators who are literally just one person shows mm. and they're just creating content about things that they love. We're speaking to someone in our team who was telling us that some she knows someone who quit their job does an engineering explained video on YouTube, one video a week, and that pays for his life. Oh, That's his legend. job. One video a week on engineering, like mm. super niche topics. Mm. And I think, you know, sure, it's still hard to monetize. If you want to scale a business as well, it's difficult. But it's never been easier and the thresholds have never been lower. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of uh, monetization... Um, I would love to know what it felt like when your relationship with a guest turned from them doing you a favor to then you doing them a favor by exposing them to Australia's retail investor populace. Yeah, yeah. I remember the conversations we kind of had around this and it was f much, much, much later in the piece than I think people would probably expect. Um, Can you put on a timeline? Yeah, well, I think it was... Uh, what are we now, 2022, probably late 2020 um, was when we really started to to kind of consider, hang on a second, this is now becoming more of a distribution channel mm -hmm. for a lot of the guys that we have coming on than than it used to be. Mm. Um, but that, to get to that point, we had to be incredibly sort of gracious with the guests and they were always doing us a favor. I remember some yeah. of the, in, the guests that we had on in the early days and we just kind of had to fake it till we make it. Yeah, yeah, we got a massive podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, so come you, on, you come straight on. up sort of fudge the numbers. Well, or? we didn't really fudge numbers, but it was. I think it was at a time where podcasting was so new in Australia, mm. so young. People just assumed they were all big. People just, Whoa. yeah, or they just wanted to be on a podcast. Right. Like it was kind of like a, a almost as a bigger deal for the guest to just be on a podcast mm. than it was for us to have the guest on. So, um, but I do recall the conversation we had with another podcaster as well who kind of just opened our eyes a little mm. to to kind of say guys you got to realize the the distribution that you're giving these guys to retail investors mm -hmm. and we knew it but we always kind of um didn't sort of i think we knew i, I think we knew it but we didn't recognize how valuable yeah, it was yeah. we didn't know what the rest of the finance industry was paying to speak to like a room <laughs> full of people yeah. let alone a an audience at scale and, yeah, and that yeah. sort How of really many? blew our mind. It was like we were creating <laughs> we were creating a lot of value but we weren't um, capturing that value yep. for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, Do you think now else. you've reached the equilibrium where your ads rates are at the right amount? Uh, no. Nah. I, I think we, we have like a mental model that we uh, like to talk about value capture v value creation and I think you can plot every business in the world on that spectrum and some businesses really sit on the value creation side of it. I think Google is a classic example where they just capture a fraction of the value that they've created. Mm. And then there are other businesses that try and capture almost all of the value they create. And a lot of them are the businesses that we hate the most. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And, and for us, we always really, we want to be a business that 
creates more value than they capture. Mm-hmm. And in particular, not for the finance industry, but for our audience, those people that felt locked out of the finance industry. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think we'll ever say to that question, we're capturing the majority of the value that we're creating because I think when we do that, you start to hurt your brand, you start to hurt yourself long-term and mm-hmm. yeah, it's not really what we want to be known for. Like, yeah. yeah. And there are other ways to generate revenue from the value that we've created outside of just advertising. Mm. So like um, we touched on with the, the fat Jewish. Yeah. 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 Actually so, great. So what would you guys <laughs> look, I mean, cause maybe an, an obvious vertical would be you engineer your own brokerage platform or something like that. I mean, like w- what are the products that you think about, or at least you dream about equity media could do? Yeah. So I think for us, the start, because we obviously have had all of these conversations. Yeah. Um, the the starting point for us is we don't want to do something that's already done well. Um, and I think for us, brokerage is something that is done well to the point that it's done too much. Sure. And like some of these brokers have been game changers for investors, wherever you're listening to this podcast. But mm. in Australia, you know, we've got access to markets that we previously could only dream about at costs that were just in uh, like unbelievable uh, when it was just the big banks offering this stuff. Mm. But there's now like 40 of them and they're all getting heaps of cash, heaps of cash. (laughs) It just like it is a business where you look at it and you say there's going to be consolidation. There's going to be failures. There will be big winners. Um, But the idea that Bryce and I could enter that space and add anything that these guys can't already do is just ludicrous. Yeah. But we look at other parts of the finance industry and say that's broken for the retail investor, like people like the three of us can't access it because we don't have the money or we don't have the connections and people like traditional fintechs have struggled to address it because they don't have an audience already they don't have that scale to fractionalize the cost Mm. um whereas because we have an audience maybe that's something that we can do that others can't so example well, if I told you, then I would have to delete this audio. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, okay. Nah, look, we don't, we don't like we we've tossed ideas around, but there's nothing that where it's like this is what we're chasing. Okay. Um, I think what's guiding us though is the mission of making markets accessible. So yeah. that's kind of like to Ren's point. There's no point doing a brokerage platform mm-hmm. already exists. What are the areas in the market or the tools and resources that still are creating barriers for our audience? Where can we further break down those barriers okay. and and make markets accessible? access to different investing options or is it tools that um, break down analysis in in ways that people can better understand and actually mm-hmm. action it's all those sorts mm. of things that um, sort of drive and, and guide us so I, I believe it's you remember a bit of a hobby horse is uh, access to private businesses is it something along this lines or something I think I don't think it's I think for both of us private businesses, we look at and we're like there's your your ability to profit in this area is completely correlated to the amount of money you have to start with yeah um and that isn't an ideal situation Mm. uh those that have money have the best opportunity and can make more money and Mm. we've seen more and more of um you know like the the crazy it's crazy to think that in 2000 there were maybe double the amount of publicly listed companies that are available today like the last couple of decades has just been a trend of companies staying private for longer. And we can think of the classic examples of that, you know, SpaceX, uh, Stripe, um, you know, Airbnb and Uber before then, they just reached such lofty valuations before they went public. And that meant that most of the value created was 
for those that had access to private markets. Mm. But then also the amount of companies that are getting taken off public boards. So in Australia, Sydney Airport got acquired recently, went back to the private market. Our biggest hospital operator, Ramsey Healthcare, is probably going to get taken out by a private equity player, KKR. Again, that's just like companies that could create value for people like us who, who can invest in public markets getting taken off the boards and the value creation goes to those that can get in private equity rounds and stuff like that. Mm. So we look at that and we say there's a fundamental problem. The challenge is it's an incredibly hard problem to solve. Mm. Um, and so I, I think we're not sitting here saying that the fact that we have a few hundred thousand people in the audience means that we're going to be able to take on KKR and start solving for private equity. <laughs> a few hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Do you guys um, try to keep those numbers like hidden or vague? We don't set out to. Should stay. I not have said that? No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't set out to. It's just a question I always have when I'm listening <laughs> to podcasts. How big is this show? You know? Yeah. We don't okay. set out to be private. I but, should have um, said a few million. <laughs> <laughs> we don't set out to, to be private like that, but um, but podcasting, unlike YouTube or or any of the social channels, mm. is pretty opaque. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if. Yeah, we, you can see what our socials are and stuff. Mm. And, and there's been news articles where we've mentioned what our downloads are yeah, and that true, sort of yeah. stuff. There's cool. actually some public rankers online that you can go on and see Australia's largest podcast and it tells you how many downloads we've done per Does month. Does it? But yeah, is it yeah. accurate? Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. No way. But yeah. but I guess it's 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 um it excludes a lot of podcasts who aren't... Um, uh, sort of part opting of this commercial in. Yeah, yeah. commercial. So system. you have to opt into it. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. So there's a lot of um, podcasts in our space that actually aren't on on the list mm. who we know are sort of at a similar right level to what we yeah. are. Yeah. 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 Just just to close the thought out around private markets before we go on, uh, there are some companies that are trying to do stuff in this space, like crowdfunding, for example, has, has exploded, but we don't think it solved it that well. Mm -hmm. um, so if there are fintechs out there that have ideas on how to solve it, hit us up because it is a problem that we see, but we don't have a solution for it. Lovely. Um, the Something that I realize with, with podcasting is the fact that there is such a uh, you know black hole of, of, of data that isn't appropriately indexed and understood. You can, the, the searchability and the discovery function for podcasts is terrible, mm. you know, but you mm. can't even know how big a podcast might be. It'd be mm. brilliant if you could just, you know, rank what are the most downloaded as a way to understand what actually is popular versus whatever the um, distributor wants to tell you is popular and, and so mm. forth. I guess for you guys at the top, you mightn't feel this pressure, but for me and maybe other smaller podcasters listening, it is, uh, is very frustrating. This is also would you want it? Would you want it to be ranked th that way, though? I think yeah, for I wouldn't mind. I mean, I, I, you know, I would be okay with people knowing how small of a show it is, you know, uh, because there would then it would allow for other discovery methods, you know. It yeah, wouldn't yeah. simply be a rank on download. There'd yeah. be other um, variables yeah. that you'd be able to search for. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. At some point in the future, it gets to that point. I think it would be commercially driven. Yeah. Um, but the. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. I don't we, know. We've, we've had this conversation and like we, if we had the ability to build a podcasting app, there's like, there's definitely space for a Netflix style recommendation algorithm mm -hmm. for audio. Spotify trying to build it uh, yeah. and they're doing okay, mm. but I don't think Spotify is great at discovering small shows. I think it, 
I th- and like we we're, we're privileged in this position that we get in that recommendation al- al- uh, algorithm a bit. Mm. But I agree with you. Like there is so much quality content out there that never gets discovered, mm. and that's a shame. Yeah, hundred um, yeah. percent. I mean, and you, you said this explicitly. It's simply you rely on the guests as a sort of medium to expose your show to other people. I discovered this one, I'll mention it, it's called No Limitations, some old Australian fella. It is such a good show, you know, and I'm sure he gets like 100 downloads an episode or something, Mm -hmm. but it's so fucking good. Yeah, Yeah, but I just feel like if you were ranking by most downloaded, then that's even worse for all those small shows. You know what I mean? Like you're just going to just... If that guy who's doing 100, he's just going to be so far down the scroll bar mm. that you're not even... And but you're just going to be like, that's not even... Not I'm even thinking it. as the download being a variable, there'd also be multiple other variables, mm. you know, more categorization, you mm-hmm. know, more maybe demographic distribution. Where is the show actually listened to? Mm. And, and so forth. Mm. This would add to discoverability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, like all to... that, They all would fall into the same problem that Bryce has identified because if, if you're then saying what demographics are already listening or like what ages are already listening, mm. you get into the already <laughs> yeah, listening get, problem. Everyone, the domino is always at the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And exactly. So just it'd be a power law where like the majority of new listeners accrue to those that already have the mm-hmm. majority of listeners. Um, but yeah, like it's a problem that needs to be solved and someone will solve it. There can't be this much money in audio and have this poor discoverability. Yeah. Like it'll get solved. Um, you, uh, have emphasized how long it took to get to X amount of downloads before. I'd love Mm -hmm. to know how long did it take you guys to hit a thousand downloads in an episode or average a thousand an episode in an episode? Yeah. How many years? I reckon at least. Um, let me think probably t- at least two yeah at least two yeah. mm-hmm. um, like I think people pick up a microphone now and think that uh, they know podcasting and you can do it and you're going to build an audience overnight and sell um, to Spotify and sell to Spotify <laughs> <laughs> um, but not a yeah I mean as I've said in stories before like I remember when we hit 500 downloads like cumulatively let alone per episode mm-hmm. And that took six months or seven months, and we were doing one or two episodes a week. Oh no, no, no! no we no, were no. doing one a fortnight. We were doing at fortnight. That <laughs> yeah, 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 one yeah. a fortnight. Yeah. Um, and then we went weekly, and then we went twice a week. But um, yeah, a thousand an episode would have been two two years at least, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least. And it, there's um, sort of data that shows how long it takes to get that sort of ten, fifty, hundred thousand. Um, and it's years. It's years yeah. to build an audience. Um, so anyone listening who wants to start a podcast, it's a slog. <laughs> yeah, and you also, you said on the Mark Burris show, like, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't. That sounds like, he's well, not, think, he's not much think, of a dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I say that in like, it would be, I, I would, if Ren and I were to try and do what we did five years ago, from a business point of view now, then I would, I would really question that. Sure. Mm. If it's a passion project, no issues. Like if you're doing it for yourself, which is how we started, like you're doing this for you to for you to understand a subject matter better, or for as in our case, it was our passion of wanting to be better investors. Mm. It was just a self-serving passion project. Mm. No mm. issue with that. Like you're not out there to try and grow multi multi tens of thousand yeah. audience. Um, but I think some people get carried away with the idea of having a big community and that sort of stuff and probably 
that's the wrong way to think about going about this mm-hmm. because there's so yeah. many podcasts. The quality now has to be incredibly good to cut through with all the huge producers out there that pour money into it. Yeah. Um, mm. We've spoken about discoverability and how difficult it mm. is. So, yeah. No one who's set out to build a big community builds a big community. Like, because the, the, you, you need to be giving something to your audience rather than just trying to get them to love you mm. and um I, I think you know like yeah as bryce said we started equity mates because we personally wanted to learn um and we felt that there wasn't anything that was there to teach us um and so we used it as an excuse to speak to people and i think a lot of people f- found that they were in a similar position to us but if bryce had been like i want to be a superstar in the next six months mm. well if, if bryce had said i want to be a superstar we would have given up earlier because n- no one was listening and mm-hmm. What would the audience have got out of it? The authenticity would have yeah. suffered, yeah. naturally. Yeah. 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 And that's where how you build audience. Um, talk to me about uh, COVID because I remember when I started listening to you, it was the beginning of 2020 mm. and it was the, on Get Started Investing. Yeah. Was this an extraordinarily savvy business move or was it fortunate that the the biggest kick of retail investing of all time happened to coincide with your get started investing being well at, at the time because we launched get started investing december 2019 yeah. and so four months later the biggest market crash of our lifetime happens mm-hmm. down 30 percent in a month and so we were kicking ourselves because we were like we have just created a show called get started investing <laughs> telling people to start investing and then if they listened they would have started and they would have lost 30% of their money in maybe a month. Mm. Um, so yeah, we actually thought it was a terrible business move, but what happened after was just crazy. Yeah. The numbers exploded. We were still working full-time jobs at that point and um, advertising dr- dried up early in 2020. Everyone, No one knew what was going on, so no one was spending. Um, so revenue for us dried up for a while, but then that came back online. The numbers were great and that was when we made the decision to quit our jobs. Mm-hmm. So yeah um it was good timing it was fortunate timing um but i think for us regardless of covid like regardless of covid supercharging the amount of retail investors in the space that trend was playing out for a lot longer like more and more retail investors were getting into the space technology was making it easier uh costs were coming down it's just that covid probably put like it it's timeline three years ahead of where it would have been Mm. yeah yeah, I'd say it was a savvy business move. <laughs> it, was, it was probably the biggest strategic move we'd made to that point. The second podcast. The second podcast, yeah. yeah. And I think that's where we started. In the back of our minds, we were thinking there's something, something here, something here. We could definitely want to do something a bit more than just podcasting. And Ren was had, having whispers of quitting work and stuff. Mm. I'm just looking at the numbers. Yeah, we, we launched it in December and it, it, like te- it, it grew tenfold from December to June. Yeah. 2020 yeah yeah december 2019 that's a hockey stick yeah that yeah. was for get started investing and unfortunately then, and it then, didn't keep growing like that no and then equ- <laughs> equity <laughs> equity mates similarly went in december and then by by march it was up sort of 300 percent mm. never looked um, back hey yeah never looked it's, back. it's so it's so amazing um to project onto your story and romanticize it you know to 
find a passion that becomes a lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, the challenge now, Ryan, and you could probably give us a bit of uh, feedback and advice is (laughs) (laughs) how do we get this overseas? That's the challenge that we're thinking about at the moment. Like when you're listening to podcasts over in Europe and that sort of stuff, like are there equity mates equivalents or like... You know what I mean? That's, um, yeah. and I don't know if you can provide any advice, but um, <laughs> that, that's the business decision where we're looking at it. Well, moment. do you want completely unqualified advice? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how I mean, we've got here. I, there's a, I live in the audience knows. Um, there's a show called 25 Minutes, which basically is Equity Mates Sweden. Okay. Uh, okay. It's terrific. Well, it's called Shoe Feminuta, so you won't find it. But, Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I would assume that Equity Mates is equivalent in most podcast listening countries. Interestingly enough, I think South Korea is per capita the highest podcasting listening country in the world. Wow. Sweden, number two. The Nordics quickly follow after that. But then gross numbers, it's the English speaking world. So it's the uh, US, Mm. UK, Mm. and Australia, New Zealand, baked into one. I would assume each of these countries have their own flavor and you guys are intensely Australian. Yeah. yeah. And so also a lot of the content is on the ASX. Yeah. So I think there might be inherently something that geographically isolates you. Maybe mm. that would be the unqualified take. No, no, yeah. we, we get that. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what we think. The, the whole speaking about Australian stocks is something that we want to be mindful of because obviously we have an Australian audience, but we, I guess we have a view that investing is truly global. Um, we might be in different countries, but we all are interacting with stocks in similar ways through similar brokerage platforms. And most of us are looking at similar companies, aka we all look to America mm-hmm. and, and what's going on yeah. over there, a little bit to Europe. Um, so yeah, we, we think investing will get more and more global, not less and less. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny that all or most financial media is so inwards looking. Um, yeah. It's very rare that you find truly global coverage. Mm. Yeah. I would as well be so fascinated to find out how you could geographically expand mm. into an, another culture, you know, another language you're fucked. But, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Although um, some really savvy like true crime podcasts, uh, they will just get it translated. Yeah. Like a professional yeah. Yeah. Uh, narrator. And that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. I, I think I think it's... Different just... vibe though, because how do you... Tra- Translating the dynamic between Ren and I is a lot, uh, a lot more difficult than true. just going. Here's your script for true crime. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think <laughs> Love the model. Here. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the model with uh, foreign languages and maybe just uh, overseas countries is like a chapter model, uh, where you find the the equity mates in Indonesia or the yeah. equity mates in mm. South Korea, and you fund them, and, and you fund them, yes, and you, you extend the equity mates brand. But it's you you have two people mm. that are our equivalents in those countries. J- Jason Calacanis does that with Get Started Investing. With Get Started Investing, he's still out. You know about that show, right? No. You know Jason Calacanis is. No. No way. Do you listen to the All In podcast? You know, Chamath Palhapatia is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, one of those four. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Chamath, to be honest. Yeah, well, irrespective of what you think of him, <laughs> this, this fella, Jason, is a venture capitalist, but he runs the Get to Start... No, it's not Get to Start Investing. This Week in Startups, sorry. This I was going to say. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, <forget laughs> it's called This, this week, week in Startups. Start it's okay. a giant Okay, I podcast. have heard that. I've yes. heard of that. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. he does that. He funds... Um, chapters in a bunch of different countries. Oh, so there's okay. a get started. Uh, sorry, there's a this, this week in startups start Sweden, for example. Right. Uh, okay, this week cool. in startups UK. He's okay. got that. He's got that. And he'll find someone who 
is, is good at media and just fucking gets it, is involved in all the startups in his area mm. and, um, and, and create a podcast that way. I have no idea how successful they are, but mm. I mean, yeah, there's right. something he does. I mean, it's the franchise model applied to media. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see you guys do it. Um, it's on the road, man. It'd be, it'd be. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh, global expansion. Yeah, yeah, is on yeah. The road, do, do you guys have an insight into how um, much financial podcasts are in other markets? You know, whether they, whether there is an equity mates equivalent in terms of its position in the culture uh, in the financial. Well, this is what world. I was trying to get at with, like, when you say the twenty-five minute in Sweden, mm. like, is it the same sort of dynamic that equity mates is in terms of? the audience they're going after the age kind of or is it a finance break make make finance simple podcast do you know what i mean because yeah it's not it's a discussing finance so it has the discussion but it is less organized than yours you know they don't they don't say like we're talking about this stock today this industry today it's kind of like chatting a week in the markets but but it's really good they're both extremely sophisticated investors themselves right so yeah yeah yeah. Surprised people yeah. think we're organized. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, we digress the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, it is, it's a, I mean, it's a big challenge that we got to. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. trying to figure out. Yeah. To return to the, uh, the your prep, show. <laughs> <laughs> what is an extremely savvy business move that you've made? Oofed. Picking Bryce as a partner. <laughs> oh, nice. You can claim that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, geez, what is? Probably getting on a producer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think taking away. It, it's the biggest cliche in uh, all startups, but hire, like hiring decisions are always your best and your worst decisions. Right. Mm. Producer, commercial. Mm. Yeah. Right. And yeah. what about a terrible decision? The worst business decision. <sighs> I wouldn't say. And don't say hiring as well because he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say there's been any bad decisions, but I think we've been pretty good at recognizing when some just aren't worth pursuing or when we've sort of just... Mm. Yeah, we've always got a lot that we want to do. That's the challenge. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like we've... um, Yeah, like there's been some shows that we probably didn't put the effort into to really putting our best foot forward. And um, yeah, I think... We're, yeah. we're launching Australia's largest finance festival this year, mm-hmm. FinFest. It Came may go that. down in history as the worst, <laughs> yeah, worst yeah, business, yeah. Worst yeah, business true, decision. True. Might uh, be fire Festival it level. Mi- <laughs> or, or it might go down as the best business decision yeah. we've ever made. How nervous are you guys for that? I'm nervous. I'm just sick of talking about it. <laughs> I just are you nervous it. because there's so much on the line? Or? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot financially on the line. There's... Um, there's you know we've been a lot of people have put trust in us to deliver something that mm-hmm. hasn't been done before um but if it if it goes well it's gonna be epic so yeah. um but yeah it's also coming at a time when there's a lot going on and this is this is probably the biggest thing mm-hmm. that we've we've sort of worked towards Bryce is getting married two weeks before mm-hmm. nice <laughs> don't know why we uh, uh, yeah oh, um, rookie anyway <laughs> oh, I mean, it'll be right you'll be fresh off the honeymoon yeah exactly oh no, actually no, no I guess there's a lot of prep <laughs> a lot of yeah. prep in those two weeks <laughs> no I'll be on a honeymoon <laughs> honeymoon after FinFest um, <laughs> doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think um, the challenge for us is we think that finance events aren't done well uh, in, in Australia like there's a lot of 
great information, but it's just delivered in in a wrapper that is, mm-hmm. you know, nondescript rooms, fold out chairs, boring PowerPoint presentations <laughs> with too much text. Like it doesn't exactly convey what investing is, which is just like this opportunity to uh, capitalize on the work of some of the smartest people and the biggest companies working on the biggest problems, and um, you know the opportunity to take control of your finances and build financial freedom and a better life like that's not captured in a drab gray conference room and, mm-hmm. and i think for us you know we, we say that and then if we can't deliver something better then mm-hmm. we're just part of the problem and mm-hmm. we spend a lot of money becoming part of the problem when you when you you, you explain the the boring powerpoint pinstripe soup suit you know uh that's an example of how you don't want it to be communicated who do you think of when who who is a person that you think of that communicates markets and investing like amazingly just so crisp so pure so clean you wish you could do it Ooh, good question yeah that is good alan cola abc (laughs) 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 well he's obviously doing it in a way that's designed for mass tv but he he does a decent job i guess but not for Um, our age i think for our age is um that's a challenge. I mean, that's I mean, a challenge. Best, the Some of the guests you guys have are unreal. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. The, the best finance communicator to a non-finance audience. Yen Liao. Yeah, he, he was, was great. Yeah. 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 But um, I think I think this is this is not self-serving or blowing our tr- own trumpet. But um, I think the way we interview allows them to kind of speak yeah, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times they will come on and finish the interview and just like have had a, such an enjoyable experience because right, right. they've been able to just talk. What, about what they're really experienced mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you put a fund manager, uh, they're often being interviewed by media or someone who's kind of putting them under pressure, trying to get out of them why they haven't performed or, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And so it doesn't allow them to, yeah, it doesn't allow them to just talk. Yeah, it's so adversarial. That That's, and we are not, like we are, we are intentionally gentle interviewers because you don't need to instantly be adversarial and instantly try and be critical of what they're doing. Like yeah. the, com- the company, the CEOs that we get to interview, the fund managers that we get to interview are incredibly smart people with a lot of insight. And like, it's our job just to get that out of them and making them uncomfortable and uh, having a hard first question. It's, it's not a recipe to actually get the most out of them. Mm. Um, but to answer your earlier question, I still think the best finance communicator to a non-finance audience is also the greatest investor of all time. It's Buffett. Old Wazza. Yeah. Like there's a <laughs> there's a reason that like he has all of the pithy quotes and yeah. you know can communicate so much with so little and mm. um, he's not exactly he's probably if we were going to have a totem for Finfest, it probably wouldn't be him. <laughs> we he's probably doesn't capture the festival and the fun of it yeah. all. Um, but I, yeah, I can't think of anyone who communicates finance better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's half the. Tr- I think given that we can't just name a couple of people off the top of our head, yeah. is half the issue. Right? Where my head actually went to Dave Portnoy for a while. Do you remember how he? Do you, do you know yeah, Dave yeah. Portnoy? The markets the, always go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think for like he obviously uh, just was a day trader during COVID because there was no sport on. But I think like the the color and movement he brought to a pretty stale industry was. Uh, I don't think it was valuable in the sense that people weren't anything, but I think it was entertaining. Certainly. Um, yeah. And so if there's a way that you could combine like the entertainment factor of Dave Portnoy with the wisdom of Warren Buffett, that's 
That's the person that the world needs. Interesting. <laughs> Could it be one of the two of you? No. <laughs> would, it, would it be too much Bryce. to suggest that maybe you're some of the best communicators of finance and markets? Well, that's our goal. But I don't yeah, know. I, but I don't um, think we are. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the amazing things, and Ren, you always really beat this drum a lot um, about investing, is that you get an opportunity to explore with depth a range of curiosities, mm. which really most other lines of work wouldn't allow, you know? And if you weren't almost forced into it, you also wouldn't do it in your free time either. Um, you know, for instance, your love of wooden pallets, you know, is, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know it, it's, it's such a bizarre curiosity to have, I'm sure, in any other line of work that wouldn't have yeah, become yeah, something yeah. because well, once, once I, you dig I, into it, it's fascinating. I was at Coles and I was fascinated with wooden pallets at Coles and they didn't really get why I was interested in that part of the business. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, Clearly now, because you're preparing and uh, producing so many podcasts, you have, you're forced into this eclectic range of curiosities. Before you did this, did you guys have that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's what has ultimately led us to this point, not only from investing, but from business to friendship to, to everything, I think. We have just, um, and it's not only us, a lot of our mates as well, I think, but that... Uh, just um internal curiosity mm. yeah for things for for the world mm. yeah. yeah um so yeah it's 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 what's led us to this point where does that take you now um who knows that's the, that's the enjoyable part of being so curious <laughs> no but i more mean like for example outside of work yeah you know what what's on your audible what's on your bedstand <clears throat> what, what are things that you are really interested in that doesn't contribute to this at all obviously contribute to this at all I think it all it's all in one though for me. It's like yeah. I think that that a lot of what I'm interested in outside of work I'm super fortunate that I can turn it to Ren's point turn it into a job. Mm -hmm. Um what's on my Audible or well, I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts to be honest, but um <laughs> that's that's our dirty secret here at this business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um and outside of uh, work, reading, it's I kind of take a fiction approach because I kind of need oh, to really? okay. need to de-stress, not de-stress, but that's how I kind of unwind a mm -hmm. little. But mm -hmm. yeah, my curiosity feeds into everything that we do here. And I, as Ren and I have said, like business, equity mates or not, we would be reading and consuming and talking about exactly what we're doing mm. right now. That's any, so sick. Anyway, mm -hmm. probably yeah. not to the level of, <laughs> um, well, Ren might be consuming just as much, <laughs> but the, yeah. the um, yeah. It, it's it's mm -hmm. it's not like we're specifically doing this for the business. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think um, it, the the line between uh, at work and out of work is blurred when you're in a content business because you know we'll watch something on YouTube that is completely unrelated to what we're doing, but be like, oh, the camera technique there right, was yeah. great, or like you know every podcast I listen to now is through a production lens, and I love podcasts. So, mm. sport, politics, news, whatever, whatever the topic is, like there's always something you can learn from it because um, there's heaps of people that are just better than us at it, and so like you're always just trying to learn. Um, but yeah, uh, similar to Bryce, I mean, I I'm still a big nonfiction reader. Um, I, I try and get into fiction and most of the time I go back to nonfiction. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think, you know, we just, we just are curious, intensely curious. And um, I think, you know, earlier in the conversation, I was saying that hopefully equity mates can be a platform that we want to build whatever we want to build. Um, 
as our curiosity moves in different directions, hopefully we can create content that allows us to explore that and I guess monetize that curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us to talk about the dive again, this business news show, um, there wasn't really an avenue for us to talk about just some of like the weird and wonderful business stories that were out there, but we were consuming heaps of that content. We were learning heaps about it, but, and would sometimes try and shoehorn it into the um, Equity Mates podcast, but sometimes it didn't really fit. And so we, we've created this new podcast, this new Instagram feed, The Dive, that allows us to just go headfirst into that as mm-hmm. well. And that'll become its own thing over time. Yeah, well, it hit number one in the charts a couple of days ago oh, yeah. uh, in the business news charts. So um, it's building. It's you know slow going, but um, yeah, we mm. want it to be a. We, I mean, dream scenario. It's as big as get started investing or yeah. equity mates. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, dream scenario. We're bigger, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's unreal. I really, um, I really do like the dive. It reminds me of the, um, invest like the best does business breakdowns as well. Mm, and that mm. guy, I think, is one of the best interviewers out there. Yeah, he's good. 100%. He, yeah. Bryce yeah. and I look up to Patrick O'Shaughnessy That's his name, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he is very much in the industry and, you know, he's industry speaking to industry, but in terms of, like, mm. in inspirational finance podcasters, he would be number one for us. And yeah. you talk about, like, consuming it through a producer's lens. Th- to ask the super high signal no BS question like he does mm. is unbelievable. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. truly. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. So we, we're rounding it out here. Um, I'd love to know what is the most serendipitous thing that's happened to you individually because of your um, platform, your sort of notoriety. It wouldn't be too much to say. You're kind of celebrities, you know? Like, <laughs> well, Bryce tells me he is. What? <laughs> What is uh, what's the most serendipitous thing that's happened to you guys because of Equity Mates? It's a tough question. Um, I don't know. Does anything come to mind for you? Not really. Uh, like I, I think there's like a lot, a lot of, a lot of like we're in an incredibly privileged position, and so I think where my mind goes is the people we've got to meet or the people we've got to work with or the people we've got to hire mm. i think um it honestly it blows my mind that the people that we got to hire chose to work with us when the other opportunities they had available um i don't know if that's quite serendipity but uh i think yeah i think in terms of what i'm most thankful for it's people yeah yeah, yeah. you got I, nothing <laughs> I'll, I'll frame it a different way okay i'll frame it a different way because of Equity Mates, what is a moment you've been in that you just could not believe you were a part of it? It's almost out of body experience, you know. Like, uh, f- for instance, this question. The oh, wait, the, surely the answer is this interview right here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mates. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's been plenty. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of instances where you kind of just go. Um, you know, interviewing Malcolm Turnbull, for example, would be one that was sp- huge. One one moment where you're just like, hold on a second, like we're we're speaking to Malcolm Turnbull, mm-hmm. who you you know only a matter of years before was the Prime Minister of Australia, and mm-hmm. you, yeah. you never thought you'd have those opportunities. Now here we are, about to throw a multi-thousand person <laughs> event in Barangaroo, Amazing. in one of Sydney's most iconic cultural locations. Like, who would have thought we'd be doing that? Um, you know, we're we've, we're employing people. I think that, mm. to Ren's point, is like a like a ho- holy shit moment. Mm. Like, um, 
you know, you, you, you have all these, uh, um, we raised money, like yeah, even that, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. you, yeah, like yeah. you have all these ideas in your mind of like what you, you see these moments happen to other people and other entrepreneurs speak about them and, mm. and you think that is like a markers of sort of success or markers of like, um, you know, uh, achievements that you'd like to experience at some point and they could kind of slowly just come around and we've been lucky enough to experience some of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I still genuinely don't feel like um, what I feel like is going on is definitely not what people perceive is happening. Like I think people yeah, perceive like- us as like this huge amazing (laughs) media conglomerate that's super successful and we're famous and all this stuff but dying with all the hedge fund (laughs) yeah it's just ren and i mates playing golf (laughs) you know what i mean trundling into work every day looking at a screen looking at each other making Uh, some content going home yeah Yeah, yeah. like and so i think that yeah i don't sit here and we're um every day every day going like yeah this is epic you Mm -hmm. know we've it's probably a personality flaw on both of our behalf though on both of our parts that we don't really like stop and be like this is amazing it's like you know it will launch get started investing and it's instantly like what's the next thing or we'll raise money and it's instantly like what's next and i mean that's probably why we keep throwing new stuff out there but it probably is also why we don't stop and reflect yeah i think i've been thinking about this recently though like the challenges that we're going through some of the challenges we're going through at the moment and just thinking like you know if someone was to say these are your challenges a year ago you just be like you know that that how are we going to get through that and then you think about that that's just what entrepreneurship is like you some of the people that have invested in us they started with nothing and grow multi-million dollar businesses that mm. you just day in day out just keep Mm. moving along and building that sort of ladder and pushing through it um and i don't think yeah it's it's interesting actually one thing that i completely forgot but maybe that was a real like how did this happen moment was first time we saw our book in bookshops yeah 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 um that was weird especially because uh the narcissist that we are we put ourselves on the cover well the the publisher put us on the cover so it was like it's not just saying your book it's saying you staring back at the two of you yeah yeah yeah. did you ever get a um is it what do they call it is it inferiority complex or Or imposter syndrome imposter that's the one did you ever get imposter syndrome like what what right do we have telling people how to invest seeing yourself in a book that's the thing ryan we don't tell people how to invest (laughs) (laughs) so i think like positionally we've always tried to we've never tried to hold ourselves out as experts and that gets harder as you get bigger um and people you know you definitely look to as authorities we don't want to be uh, like our very first tagline was made for everybody by nobodies and like that is very much how we still think of it like we think of ourselves as outside of the industry but in this like privileged position where we can like get people and and like show them to the audience and get information from them and bring them to the audience Mm. but we definitely don't think of ourselves as authorities or experts or anything like that um so in terms of imposter syndrome not really because like the amount of stupid decisions we've made or like stocks that we've spoken about that just were terrible stocks in the end like i i hope our audience realize that we are not experts and we're on this journey as well mm-hmm. but 
to flip it around, if we were holding ourselves out as experts, yeah, I would probably have a couple of hours of anxiety every night thinking like, what if we get found out? Because oh God, yeah. like, we're not, we're not experts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's hard. You, you can't, you can't, you can't dwell on it too much in the, mm-hmm. in the industry that in media, I think yeah. like, otherwise we would just second guess everything that we do. So we've got to wrap it up. Um, I want to see how quickly you can answer this. And then there's two questions that I try to ask every guest. Sure. First, can you elevator pitch us each um, or an exciting company? An exciting company? Yes. Without, uh, <laughs> but with, with a very clear caveat. This, isn't this, hold, so. this is not <laughs> investment advice. As we said, we are not experts. <laughs> we're just talking about a company we're excited yeah, about, yeah. not about the price that yeah, they're Sorry about that transition. <laughs> <laughs> We just gotta get that in. Yeah. yeah. No, go for it. Do you wanna go? Uh no, nah, you go. All I right. Need to think about one. If I think about the technology that's gonna drive the biggest change over the next couple of decades, I think it's AI and machine learning. And I, it's been a technology that has promised it a lot and not delivered much for a long time, but we're starting to see those green shoots emerge. And then if I was to say what company has the highest uh, concentration of AI researchers and PhDs per square meter. There is one with an absolute bullet, no close second, and that's Alphabet. Uh, the the AI that they are developing is incredible and pretty scary. Uh, DeepMind, a company that they acquired, similarly is just incredible. And you layer that technology on with what I would say is the strongest business in the world, which is Google Search, like. 98% market share an incredible moat um, a ridiculous and, <laughs> and then you layer on the other businesses they have YouTube which is a 100 billion dollar business is in its own right um, and all of the other bets around Waymo self-driving cars wing delivery drones their healthcare bets everything else for me I think about a business that I would be most excited to work for and if it wasn't equity mates Alphabet would be number one Unbelievable. I'm going to not recommend a company. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been doing a bit of content recently over decarbonization. And if I think to, to, uh, to Ren's point around future, I think this is a space that provides plenty of uh, investment opportunities. And we've spoken, we've been lucky enough to speak to uh, some uh, owners of businesses. The Ca- uh, Calyx is one. Uh, and there's some fa- fascinating companies over in Europe that are putting their best foot forward um, to help decarbonize the planet. So for me, an exciting sector, I think, mm-hmm. or industry that is um, multi-decade, plenty of investment opportunity is uh, decarbonization. So I know it doesn't answer your question, but... Are you prepared um, to say a specific company in that space you like? Uh, well, it's you like as a business, not as an investment. <laughs> I don't even know if this one's publicly listed, but I, I, um, I like the ambition we have spoken about on the show. I actually can't remember the name of it, but they are um, building large w- turbines in Iceland that are sucking carbon dioxide out of the air Sick. and putting it into the ground in like rock form somehow. Mm-hmm. Obviously, tiny scale at the moment. I think we produce like 36 billion tons of carbon dioxide a year. They're hoping to get to a, be able to pull out a billion by 2040 or something like that. So still not massive. But I just like the ambition and mm-hmm. um, these companies that are coming out of nowhere that um, are really trying to tackle the problem. Beautiful, know? beautiful. Nice. Finally, too, I like to ask as many guests okay. as possible. 
what is a country that you're particularly bullish on? Country. Oh, that's an interesting question. Do you have yeah, one that comes to mind? That is interesting. From an in, from a business point of view, take away you like. I've got I've got two that come to mind. Um, from a business point of view. Yeah. So first of all, Bryce and I have a running joke that Stockholm is the home of audio, okay. and that's because Spotify came out of there, and then the biggest podcasting business in the world, Acast, has come out of there. And then uh, a startup that's also in the audio space that we've worked with, Quarter, they um, take company earnings calls and um, they've got an app, they're available for free. Um, and so we often joke that Swedish, uh, no Sweden, idea. yeah, or the Stockholm in particular is the home uh, of audio. So I guess number one for me, because we're in the audio business in podcasting, Sweden. Um, number two, uh, I read a book a few years ago, Startup Nation. Uh, that spoke. It's about Israel, and mm. it talks about how the structure of, I guess, their education system, and then the military conscription, and uh, then their business community, just is so conducive to just incredible businesses yeah. emerging out of there. And Israel punches about above its weight in so many of those so sectors, many. like cyber and, and everything. And it's so tied to a really strong education system, but then like the education that in the military conscription and i'm not advocating for military conscription in australia but i think um reading that book you just realize that like when society makes choices and those choices prioritize different things and create different outcomes and you can see that the decisions made there create a environment that's so conducive to business success and startups Mm -hmm. and so in terms of being bullish from a business perspective israel would be out there as well Great book, Startup Nation. Highly recommend it. Sick answer. Out of almost 100 episodes now, that's the first Israel. Really? Yeah. There you go. Never, I've never been to either of those countries as well, so oh, I haven't to, done my due come diligence. To <laughs> uh, from a, a, a population size, transition of middle class and some fascinating business already existing there, I would, I would go Indonesia. Oh, yeah, there's some, um, there's some amazing businesses there mm. that... Um, have huge market share, massive population, the growth that they're going to experience over the next decades, transition of middle class. Um, I think, yeah, you, you, you see what kind of is panning out in, in the States from e-commerce point of view and, and whatnot and how that's transitioning to, to some of the, these massive conglomerates in Indonesia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has anyone given Indonesia as an answer before? Yes. Okay. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> would Would Australia benefit somehow just out of proximity to a to a booming Indonesia? I mean, from like a agricultural point of view, perhaps. Um, no, but, we we but, should benefit massively, but yeah. to the point about choices being made by businesses and governments, it yeah. doesn't look doesn't look like we're really setting ourselves up yeah. for success there. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, sorry. Please. I was just going to say, um, the classic example of that is we have all of these great companies that Bryce is talking about emerging. And um, the, the classic example there is Gojek, their um, Uber for scooters and Tokopedia, um, their big e-commerce platform merged. The fact that the Australian Stock Exchange, the ASX, wasn't desperately fighting for that listing and mm. instead uh, the company went over and it has listed or is going to list Don't over remember. in the States or maybe like dual list in Indonesia and the States... The fact that Australia is not trying to get them and grab and all of these Southeast Asian unicorns, mm. for me, is just like we are missing our opportunity. What is up with that? What, what, why? 
That's, we need a whole other podcast to talk yeah. about that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's true. But if anyone actually... from the ASX or Chi-X, because Chi-X <laughs> is now competing in Australia, is listening, yeah. chase those yeah. Asian listings. Be the gateway of capital nice. for the world to the Asian, Southeast Asian mm. market. Yeah. Finally, boys, if you could listen to a conversation between any two people of history, <sighs> dead or alive, <laughs> dead or alive, no language barrier. And since there is two of you, I would suggest that you pick one each. Jesus. Not two each, one <laughs> each. Uh, so you pick someone to speak with the other person. You pick Jesus? Yeah. Well, I guess I'd have to pick Muhammad. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Does that count? Can we steer away from religion? It's just... Well, I mean, sure, sure. 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 Well, you, you primed that one. <laughs> oh. Uh, you, you know, this might just be because of the current state of... So I, I, I think... I'm still quite bullish on America, but I think we all look at them and we're like, they've got a lot of problems at the moment, obviously. Uh, and a lot of, I think their problems stem from their unrelenting, desperate grip to their founding document that they refuse to deviate from, even though one of the writers of that document said it should be updated every 18 years. So the person who said that, Jefferson, I want him to speak to some modern Republican, wow, someone on the answer. Supreme Court, and just set them straight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you that's go. A <laughs> you on? Um, Henry Ford changed cars as we, as we know it. Sick. Elon Musk is changing cars as oh, we I know nice, it. Yeah. <laughs> so put them head to head and see what happens. Unbelievable. <laughs> Equity mates. I uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough for being so generous with your time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So thank you again, Alec and Ren. And as well, the 15th of October, FinFest. You'd be mad to not go since that is going to be the best thing happening in Sydney on that weekend. Bring your mates, bring your mum, bring your dad, bring your brother, bring your sister, bring the missus. It's going to be a terrific event. Now, to the ambition for this podcast. My hope is to corner the podcast market for eclectic curiosities in whatever country it is that you're listening in from. Now, there is no indexable category of eclectic curiosities. It's rather general interest or true crime or comedy or X, Y, and Z category. Eclectic interest is not one. So therefore, the only way for me to achieve this ambition is through a myriad of reviews. So if you've listened this far, I would please ask you to do me the favor of switching up Spotify, leaving a healthy five-star juicy review on Apple, flicking it up, really nice comment, five stars, any other podcast app that you're listening on, I would just to I would just ask you, please leave good reviews, encourage the algorithm, reinforce the algorithm so it knows that people are listening, people are enjoying, and that is all. Thank you again to the Equity Mates, Alec and Ren, and thank you to you, my dear listener. Ciao.